Last week, I started the podcast talking about double acts, and this week, I'm going one step further. Because when two brilliant things combine to make a brand new thing, well, that's something special. So just to be clear, Crawford is what, it's like a, like a circular... So it's basically a, a croissant cooked in a muffin tin. Yum. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, love the I. sound of it already. What am I talking about? All will become clear. As Radio 1 DJ and food lover, Clara Ampho joins me at my restaurant in York for some baking. Oh, no! Spoke too soon. Oh my gosh. Right. Okay. Well, it didn't, hit on, it didn't hit the ground. Right. But it's just gotten very thin. It's April 12th. I'm Tommy Banks, and this is Seasoned. Episode 8 Clara Ampho and Cruffins. Before we begin, I want to say a thank you to our sponsors. This podcast is only possible because of True Foods. True Foods are an incredible family business who make the best stocks and sauces. True Foods provides stocks to some of the best kitchens in the UK. One, two and three Michelin style restaurants use their stocks as the base for their recipes. And now, their stocks and sauces are available for you to buy at home too. I'll tell you more about them later in the episode, but you can check out their product range and find lots more information in our show notes. I know I did say I'd officially announce the start of spring, and one or two of you did get in touch to say that, well, spring already has an official start date, back on March the 20th, but it was snowing then, and I'm not having it. These last couple of weeks, that's more like it, and over the bank holiday Easter weekend, for some of you at least, the sun was shining. Easter conjures up so many memories and traditions, and of course, there's so many links to food. Hot cross buns, Easter eggs, if you're anything like me, the house is now full of them, and lots of you will be enjoying some lamb. I find eating lamb at Easter a little bit odd. I feel like you're either eating hoggett, which is a year older, so it's last year's lamb, which has had a whole year to grow, which is delicious, or if you're eating young, what they call Easter lamb, spring lamb, it is is born inside in, in the winter and, and, and not really had any time out on grass, so it isn't the most delicious. I think the best time to eat lamb is the end of summer, when it's been out on pasture all summer, or of course, just enjoy some hoggett or mutton, because that's always delicious. As for us, I mentioned our lambs are a little late arriving this year, but this weekend it's really kicked off. We've got 10 lambs now, and the first one that came out, because of my love of cricket, we called it Alan, Alan Lamb. It's a really exciting moment for us, and both mum and lambs are doing really well. There'll be about another 60 making appearance over the next few weeks. But it's not just the farm that's keeping me busy. I've told you lots about the Black Swan and my new venture, the Abbey Inn. But I've got another restaurant in York called Roots. It takes all its ingredients from the farm too, but the menu is totally different. There isn't one dish on there which is the same as the Black Swan. Roots is the home for head chef Will Lockwood, who many of you will have followed on Great British Menu this year. He did really well. And while it might be located in the middle of the York City Centre, it still has the same seasonal ethos. Today, there's a new seasonal dish being prepared, and luckily, we have an extra pair of hands joining us to make sure it gets done. Hi, Clara. Thanks Hello. for coming out. Thank you for having me. Clara Ampho is a voice that I often hear in our kitchen. 
Chef Sean at Roots is a big fan. And obviously, she knows everything there is to know about music. But I'm told she also knows a fair bit about food and cooking too. So she was delighted to get an invite up to York to meet me, Will and the team. Well, let me introduce you to Will, he's the head chef here at Roots. Um, and yeah, we're gonna have a bit of fun today because uh, we have this sort of signature dish, which is a cruffin. Will! Clara. Clara Hello, nice Will. to meet you. You all right? Lovely to meet you. Good. So Will's gonna run through this with you because he's much more talented than I am. So he's gonna be very good at doing this. Such uh, a humble king, look at no, you. Um, <laughs> humble, but also honest, very honest. Right. Um, so we, we have uh, this amazing Dexter cattle at the farm, which are these little short-legged, beautiful little cattle. And we make cruffins with them. So normally you see like cruffin in a bakery and it's got like Terry's chocolate orange in the top and it's massive or whatever. We make it and stuff it with beef and glaze it with beef. So it's quite mm. a savory, delicious cruffin, which takes a lot of work, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, you could say that, yeah. <laughs> so just to be clear, cruffin is what? It's like a, a like a circular yeah, so it's a, a ball? So I think, is it called cruffin because it's a hybrid of a croissant and, and a, a muffin? Yeah. And a muffin. And a muffin. Okay, yeah. So it's basically right. a, a croissant cooked in a muffin tin. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, love the sound of it already. Yeah, like a steak bake. Posh steak bake. <laughs> You're looking for layers of super thin pastry and butter, creating the most delicious, light, flaky texture. Then it's cooked in the shape of a muffin and usually stuffed as well. You almost always find that cruffins are sweet. They're usually pretty big and they're full of custard and jam or fruit. But we've gone for a savoury cruffing stuffed with our own Dexter beef. It's a wicked dish and I know our guests love it. But it stands or falls on the quality of the cruffin. So, best get on it. So, basically we start off with a, a dough, basically. Very simple dough made with um, just plain flour plain strong flour and then basically rather than putting the the butter in the dough like you would a brioche or something like that this is a, a thin sheet of butter which we are going to work into this piece of dough by folding it like layering effect then when that's cooked the butter will obviously melt and the steam will sort of separate the layers right so that's how you get the crispy sort of croissant effect do you know what? I do love the science of all of this. It's, it is truly like so fascinating. Yeah. Just how like, well, I guess, isn't it? It's the mixture of like what water, air, like I guess fat slash oil. And yeah. the application of heat to yeah. like make it happen. Yeah, it's, it's pure chemistry, isn't it? But I think like, I suppose you could work it out. You know, when you look at like a, a croissant or something and there's just like layer after layer after layer. How many, can you work out how many layers is there? Because you fold it and then you keep layering it. So you, you start off obviously one layer and then you fold it into... You fold it into three layers or four layers and then you'd roll that out i think every time you times it by like obviously goes up exponentially as you mm. the more you fold it i think you might end up with something like 126 layers that, that makes sense because yeah because i guess when you even when you bite into like a, a standard croissant like you see like yeah everything it is it but i mean like some some people some people like layer it sort of less some people will just like do a couple of folds and you'll get more of a flaky pastry whereas this is like crisp this is like crisp and obviously still flaky but the flakes are like way smaller this machine basically passes the dough under a roller and with each pass it rolls it down and makes it thinner it's like a very very precise rolling pin so without this machine or before this machine yeah how would you go about sort of rolling pin 
Okay. Mm. Yeah, we used to do it at the other restaurant when we first put them on the breakfast menu and they were hard work. I can tell by the look on your face. Yeah. Flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> so gone. Right, right. you, you know, every layer needs to be like perfectly even and you need to fold it and then you need to portion it and then, you know, you've, you've done like six hours work and you've got like six pastries. Hats off to whoever came up with the idea of a croissant in the first place. In a time without a machine to do it, I'm not sure I'd have had the patience to make one or even the idea in the first place. But Will, he reckons he's got the sort of brain to have come up with it. I always think with this sort of thing, how did anybody discover in the first place that this is like a thing? Obviously, it's French, isn't it? But somebody must have thought, right, I'm going to make pastry. I'm going to start folding it and folding it. If you really thought it. about that, it's common sense, isn't it? Is to you, maybe, because like yeah, you. I'm looking. You maybe will just, <laughs> you're like yeah. fold, you fold it into layers. You need something to stop the layers sticking together, which you're going to use fat, aren't you? And I guess then, because that's the glue. And yeah. then obviously you roll it, and it's going to puff up. To be fair, he is quite innovative. There's some food things I Maybe they did it by accident. Yeah, yeah like, maybe, yeah, 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 that's the point. I always look at, you know, globe artichokes, mm. and then you only eat the little bit in the middle. Who was the first person who thought, I'm going to peel all that off and put it down and eat this tiny little bit that's edible out the middle? Like, you wouldn't, would you? You'd no, just you'd get an hungry. apple or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, who came up with that? A genius, that's who. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, is it? It always just takes that one person who thinks a little bit differently to yeah. just figure out something that we just carry on yeah. using. It's you know? the same in every industry, every discipline, isn't it? Yeah. Right. You basically just run it through and it'll get bigger and flatter because we want to make it as square as possible because the, obviously the butter needs to be square. You want to like even it up a little bit. So you're like patting it out with your hands just to kind of get it to the ideal yeah. shape that you want and then yeah. you run it through the machine. It's a time consuming process to then pass the block of dough through the machine, squashing it down and spreading it out and then folding and starting the whole process off again. Literally use this to sort of run it back and forth. This button Yeah, here. so you will need to like stop it by bringing it into the middle. Okay. Otherwise you'll roll it into Tommy's first. Oh God, <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. It's like a, just a joystick really. And I have to just keep an eye on like sort of yeah, yeah, both yeah. sides. Okay. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Yeah, and then roll it back. Oh, oh, right, okay. And then, yeah, and then we'll lift that up. Uh -huh. sort of okay, because yeah, because with, with every roll, obviously that's getting rid of your fingerprints and where you've like made the yeah. little space for the, so the butter. The early signs are that Clara is a bit of a dab hand at this, although she clearly likes living on the edge. She's nearly flung the dough off the table more than once. Oh, and I'm gonna go that way. Yeah. Oh no! Wait! Oh! 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 oh. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Roll. No, hang on. Oh. Wait. Oh. Ah. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit. No. There we go. Yeah. It definitely is different to cooking at home. Oh, gosh. Uh, a bit more like that, I think. And then I have to kind of squeeze the sides, don't I? Yeah, that's Well, yeah, a square that's shape, not a rectangular shape. Will is keeping a keen eye. While Clara may have got the hang of it, one wrong move and this mix will be wasted and there won't be any cruffins on the menu tomorrow. I won't lie, I'm getting um, flashbacks of when I was absolutely terrible on Bake Off. And- How did you we, do Bake Off? I did you? do Bake Off. We had a pastry task and it, I think, do you know what? I was proud that I managed to, I made a sort of, um, it, 
I attempted to make a profiterole. Yeah. And it, do you know what? It didn't look great, but it tasted pretty good. But I found that quite challenging. But I did think I need to try and do this again because I, I did actually really enjoy it. Um, do I need to run this through again? So yeah, just run it through until it's, uh, until we get to six. I've got to say, it's looking exactly like it should. If you if you opened like a little patisserie, what would you call it? You imagine a little bake shop. That is a great question. I would call my bake shop Clara's Sweet Spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what nice. I call it. Yeah. Nice. I'd 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 have profiteroles and like all the eclairs, all of that, and a few savoury things. But I've got a sweet tooth, so yeah, yeah that's nice. what I call it. Like all of our cooking, we only use the very best ingredients. So when it comes to cruffins, the butter is really important. It's got to be the very, very best quality or you just won't get consistent results. That is a big old bit of butter. Yeah, it wants to be butter side down. I do flipping love butter. And the thing is, because usually at home, I use dairy-free butter. I have been for quite some time, but nothing just... Oh, do you know what? When you just get traditional, shall we say, butter, it just, especially on like fresh bread. My mouth's actually watering a little bit. You know? Yeah, this is not like one of those um, pretend the celebrity's doing some work. This oh, is genuinely made the pastry. I'm, I'm going to earn this. With every go on this machine, I'm praying this dough does not end up on the floor. Oh, no! Spoke too soon! Wow! Oh, 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 oh. No, no, wait, okay. That's fine, that's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh, right. okay. Well, at least it didn't hit the ground. Right. But it's just gotten very thin. Almost done, and I can sense a relief on Clara's face. This is hard work. But there's one final step getting the dough back off the machine and onto the table without dropping it. <laughs> you're you're gonna stand here, okay, and we're gonna like bring it off the machine. All right. So like as it starts to roll off the end, okay, you're gonna like hold it gently. I feel like I'm in Grey's Anatomy. You know that doctor show? I'm obsessed with it. It's a it's a proper old school like medical yeah, so procedure, and I feel like I'm a, a surgeon now, about to get a critical patient. Oh gosh. Yeah. And okay. then you're just gonna like lay it across I'll, the bench as it down, comes down. Okay. So we're going to grab the patient. Oh, oh Ooh. no. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, there we go. That's fine. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, they're alive. There's a heartbeat. Fantastic. And there we have it. A completed block of cruffin dough ready to pop into the muffin tins and bake. There's over 150 layers of dough and butter. If it tastes as good as it looks right now, I might just take them home rather than serve them. I know it won't taste great, but I just really want to bite into it. So we're just going to cut it and we'll just see the layers. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. See the layers of butter in it. Yeah. So thin, so intricate, isn't it? It's yeah. like a little maze. That is so cool. That's good. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you very much. You um, served us some work there. I free look, <laughs> I just appreciate being in your presence. Out of ten, how much would you score me for my skills? I would, I would, I would say nine. Thank Honest, you. Honestly, yeah, yeah. You, I love you that you did, said that as I'm you, staring directly you at did you. Very, very well. Yeah, I felt <laughs> under pressure there. <laughs> well, um, so that dough you just made there, we'll give that to Martin, the pastry chef, and that will be made into cruffins and can be served like tomorrow. Faff. That, yeah. There, that's 
Missing the quality, I think. Oh! Yeah. Delight. It wouldn't be fair to put Clara to all this work and not give her a taste of the finished product. So we've got a batch that we made yesterday and stuffed with our beef ragu filling for Clara to try. It looks so pretty, I almost don't want to eat it, but also I've been salivating yeah. since we started making it. You, you can really see, when you look on the outside, you see the layers now of all the lamination yeah. that you did. Um, oh, it smells so good. Do I go knife or do I just chomp? Oh, I've got all these layers, oh my God. Yummy, yummy. Wow, that beef. Okay, I'm going for the bite. <laughs> oh, oh well, this is a bit of me. It's so good. Oh, God. I love the salt. I love the texture of it. And just the beef is so soft as well. It's really mm. like melty, isn't it? Mm. Yummy. Wow. Incredible. Oh, that's gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I'm quite a speedy eater, actually. God, I want another one. Gosh, that was amazing. Well, you can have another one for lunch. Yummy. I hope the diners give the same reaction when Clara's cruffins go onto the menu tomorrow. I'll be catching up with Clara a bit later and finding out more about where her love of food comes from. But back at the farm, things are busy too. Dickie has a smile on his face, for once, as we finally come out of the winter doldrums and he's hard at work in the kitchen garden. Yeah, you go from like yesterday morning, it was minus four, then you have a beautiful sunny day. Everything feels really positive and fresh. And then you have a day like today when it's absolutely miserable. So I think we're looking for a, an inside job really today. This little polytunnel is jam packed. There's tubs and trays, little green shoots everywhere you look, all precisely laid out and labeled. It's more like a production line than anything else, with seeds at different stages of growth to make sure there's a constant supply of each one, ready to go to the kitchens as soon as they're ready. So, it's all happening here. So this is the start of our growing for 2023. So the gardeners have been really busy sowing stuff. So we've got a load of micro mustard here, which are going to uh, roots in a few weeks' time. So we've got like, this week's has just gone this morning, that'll be for next week. And then we've got the week after and the week after that. And then the last bit at the end is just sown the other day. So that's like, as the daylight hours obviously started to extend and a bit bit more warmth, even on a you know cool day like today and here, it's it's pretty warm. So stuff does get growing pretty, going pretty quick. A few sunflowers there for, for decoration. This whole bench here you can see is all tomatoes. So we've got Gardener's Delight, which is your sort of classic round tomato, which we'll use to make a ketchup with. Black opals are a lovely little round cherry uh, tomato, so they'll be getting used sort of fresh in salads. And then San Marzano there, that's your sort of classic Italian uh, tomato sauce variety if you're making like a pasta sauce, that sort of thing. Lots of the techniques we're using here are exactly the same as what Keen Gardeners will be doing at home. In fact, Dickie has to finish off pruning these young tomato plants. So as the tomatoes get a little bit bigger, they've been potted on now, so they're in slightly bigger call these air pots so they've got holes all the way around so it lets, lets a bit of uh, air in as the name suggests just to keep the sort of ventilation going and help with the drainage and as the tomatoes get bigger you can just see like off those leaves there there's a few little shoots just starting to appear and that's the plant just trying to basically grow as fast as possible so we just want to nip those shoots out because they'll then form trusses with more tomatoes on and then each plant will end up with like potentially 30 trusses and won't actually be able to bring all those tomatoes to, 
to harvest. So we're just aiming for sort of four or five trusses per plant. Uh, and then it'll be able to ripen those all off by the end of the season. Whereas if you had too many, you'd have a few ripe and then just a lot of green as the plant tries to put all its energy into producing all those. Okay, so that's a good example there. So someone's obviously missed that one. So that's getting actually quite far on that. So we'll just nip that out and that'll, uh, that'll help that one along. He reckons the plants here will produce over 10,000 tomatoes. That's just enough to keep the restaurants going for a while. Up at the farm, the team have been planting the first of 8,000 onions. They gather two and a half litres of sap from birch trees that surround our farm, and they've been picking blackthorn blossom, which Dickie turns into a vinegar. And if all that sounds like a lot of work, you just wait and see what's in store for Dickie in a few weeks' time. I feel like I've just come back from holiday, but I feel like I'm ready for another holiday already. We've got a lot of, uh, a lot of projects on this year, but we're, we're up for the challenge. Later on, I'll be chatting to Clara Ampho, but first, a quick word about our very important sponsors. If you regularly listen to the show, you'll know how passionate I am about proper stock. Without good stock, you can't make great recipes. And True Foods make the best stock on the market, bar none. True Foods stocks and sauces are used in a lot of Michelin-style restaurants up and down the country and worldwide. So if you're looking for an ingredient to elevate your cooking to a whole new level, head on over to truefoodsltd.com and use the discount code SEASONED10 to get 10% off your first order. When it comes to kitchen appliances at home, Miele is my number one choice. Their products are so advanced that I can do the same as I do in my restaurant, but at home. I can do everything like steaming, dehydrating, I can sous vide, for example, which means I can cook delicious food for my family, but I can also develop great recipes from the comfort of my home too. I recently spent a day at the Miele Experience Centre in London trying out loads of the kitchen appliances to see which would work best for my family and for my cooking style. If you're looking to upgrade your appliances or redesigning your kitchen, I would highly recommend checking out the products for yourself at one of the Miele Experience Centres across the UK or attend a kitchen discovery class. Or of course, head to miele.co.uk. Earlier on, Radio 1 DJ Clara Ampho joined me and my head chef Will at our restaurant in York to help with some delicious savoury cruffins. And now, with our appetite partially satisfied, we sit down to talk all things food. You get the vibe you are a bit of a foodie then. I love food. <laughs> I, lo I wouldn't say I'm great at cooking all the time, but I always say to my mates, I'm that person who will appreciate your effort in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm a great dinner guest in that sense. I will I will make noises. I will clap for you. Nice. I will be that person because it's an mm. art, man. Like the, it really is. There's also nothing nicer than giving food. Mm. Like the gift of food, like cooking for someone else. I think like you could give someone a lovely gift, but actually if you cook them a meal, like you've put a lot more of yourself into it, haven't you? You've made that real effort. Like it's easy just to tap your credit card and buy something for someone. Yeah. But to make something, I think it's just 
Lovely. Well, it's a love language though, isn't it? Yeah. I guess it kind of falls under uh, acts of service. Yeah. You know they say you've got different love languages, whether it's like physical touch, acts of service, or like words of affirmation. I think yeah. cooking for somebody, it really is like letting them know that you, it's that you care. It's thoughtful, <laughs> isn't it? I like the thing you say about not speaking when you're eating. Because I always get that in, mm. in, a, in, um, in the dining room, if you serve guests and then you can tell like, they're obviously very happy in each other's company, but they're just like, nom, 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 nom. and it goes, you're like, oh wow, they're loving this. Whereas sometimes you get people who are just like cool, they sit back in the chair, they relax and sort of play the food around the plate. And from a chef's point of view, that gives me anxiety. I'm like, why are you not like, absorbing that? Why are you playing with it? Like, I, I'm the, I think I would eat so fast. In restaurants, I must eat. I think I could keep the kitchen off guard because the, the, the plates just come back so fast. Yeah, no, but, I, I'm def that's definitely, Definitely, I will literally, what's the word, uh, inhale my food. Clara's career has taken her to broadcast into the entire nation as the host of Radio 1's flagship music show. And she's been a contestant on Strictly, as well as a contestant on MasterChef. And I wanted to know just how important food is in Clara's life. So growing up, what was sort of your food background? Oh, um, a mixture of things. So I'm, I'm Ghanaian, so a lot of Ghanaian food, which is a lot of like grains, lots of rice. Um, there's a lovely grain like called gari. It's yeah. sort of like a, well, I guess it's like a grain starchy thing. You can have it um, mixed with water and like and sugar to sweeten it, or you can have it as a sort of savoury dish. So is that like a rice pudding or a risotto sort it, of style? Not, not so much. It's sort of... Um, it's, I can only describe it as a sort of, uh, it's not quite a powder and it's not quite a grain. I'll find out the technical term and, and yeah. maybe get back to you, but it's called Gary and it's, and it's just, it's yum. I think it's spelled G-A-R-I. With so many foodie influencers, I can tell Clara has all the ingredients to be a talented chef, but that didn't quite work out when she competed for the MasterChef prize. Well, yeah, because kicked out of MasterChef first. I still got the apron though, so I'm delighted. Do you wear that at home when I you cook? I actually do. <laughs> no, I truly, it's, it's probably one of my proudest things I have in my kitchen. Yeah, it is, it is pride of my kitchen, my MasterChef um, apron. Um, yeah, cooking's a weird one. Like, when I'm in it, I quite like it, but I also see cooking as a delay to me eating. Do you know what I, mean? I just I've got I've got friends who really relish in it like you know as we, as we were talking about that that love language my friend Hannah she loves her big dinners for us on, on weekends mm. and you know and she'll do like a th whole three course thing and she's just and, you know she's a very she works a very high powered high pressure job which is nothing to do with food but cooking's like her release yeah, you know and I've yeah. got quite and I've noticed that's the thing with a lot of my friends who love cooking they are all particularly all my female friends, like real, like boss lady, like career women who are at the top of their game. And the one thing they want to do when they get home is just forget about all their big responsibilities and just cook a delicious meal. And I think I find that quite fascinating. I do as well, actually. Maybe it's because I cook for a living, but I'm a bit like you. At home, I do, I like to get on with it. I'm not, people think that chefs at home must spend hours and hours doing something, but... No, I like, I like to cook nice food, but I like it to be quick so yeah. we can eat and then do something else with our time. That's it, 20 minutes, done. Yeah. Yeah, anything longer than that, I'm just like, or, okay, I'm a big fan of the put something on early and then you can go out for the day and come back and it's ready. I think that's like, it's like a cheat win, isn't it? Because you come back and it's done and you sort of forgot that you did the hard work at the start. I must confess, that's even too much work for me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I need to make it in under half an hour. 20 minutes is the dream and then let's get eating. Ah, 
Maybe Clara's love of eating the food prevents her from reaching the next level with her cooking. I can sympathise with that. And I think Clara's got a really healthy mindset when it comes to what she eats, embracing the places she visits by tasting whatever they have to offer. So what sort of things do you do in 20 minutes? Um, but I bake a lot of salmon. I bake yeah. a lot of salmon, um, a lot of sweet potato. I do like, um, actually no, I'll extend my time for sweet potato. I do like to roast sweet potato mm. and I'll drizzle it with like loads of oil, put some chilli on. Um, maybe some thyme or something and then maybe I'll get like a bit of fresh yoghurt and some pomegranate and once that's done get it out oh. put it all together and put some like spring onions in too oh. it's really tasty that does sound good it's alright isn't it it also sounds very healthy oh yeah, yeah I, try, I try to eat fairly healthy because I've got such a sweet tooth and things I, I love fat salt and sugar all the things that are supposed to be bad for you yeah I love it and the thing is I'm never gonna restrict myself like Oh, no. You know, there's so much, and the thing is, and I, and I get it, obviously there's so many different things that affect how we eat and what we eat and, and depending on where you're from in the world, you mm. know, what you've got access to, you know, affects what you put in your body. But, you know, living in the Western world, there is, I, I'm not going to go to France and like not have a baguette. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to go to, I don't know, Atlanta, Georgia and not have red velvet cake or the best fried chicken mm. that's on offer. Like, it'd be, mm. it'd be a sin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What's life? Well, yeah, 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 exactly. But um, I, I just believe in, mo in moderation. But it sounds to me like it, you also just want like big flavour and sustenance and like Correct. Yeah, love food. big flavour. Like there's, I just, I, I hate bland food. Mm. I need to, I mean, look, you know, eating that, eating, <laughs> eating that, I was just like, oh, like delicious. Just that mixture of like the mm. beef and like the pastry, like amazing. Mm. But yeah, to go out somewhere and have something that's like completely unseasoned, like it's just, it's just not for me, babe. Though there is one ingredient she simply won't entertain. Well, this is the ironic thing, and it's essentially my personality now, but everybody that knows me knows that I despise coriander. I hate coriander with every fibre of my being. I despise it, but yet I absolutely love East Asian food and I love yeah. Mexican food and they both use a lot of coriander what do you do? in just their dishes. Them to take oh no, it I pick it out. Yeah. I pick it out. It just, it's become a running joke on my Instagram. If I ever go to a restaurant, I have to ask first. If I forget to ask, they've garnished it or they've put it in whatever. I'll always make a video of me being like, right, okay. <laughs> Sabotaged again. <laughs> just picking out the fresh leaves. That's a real thing. That's a, a chemical thing, I think, isn't it? My wife despises coriander. My sister. And, and like I think I think it's a, literally a chemical thing in your brain. It either does it taste like soap? To yes, you? like yeah. soap, sort of like mouldy, like <laughs> just unwashed. So like it just makes me. I, I can just about deal with it if it maybe it's been you know cooked into a soup. Mm. But when it's the freshly chopped leaf mm. in a salad or as a garnish, I I cannot. I can't deal. Oh, but yeah, Thai, Thai food I love. Um, I was in, I went to Thailand for the first time uh, just after Christmas, yeah. spent New Year's Eve there, and I just had Pad Thai every day, and like, just better than any restaurant, any Thai restaurant in the UK, and for like two pounds a dish, yeah. if that. What's the food like at Radio 1? <laughs> That's a great question. What is the food like at Radio One? So we have our BBC canteen, yeah. which is which is uh, famed. Sadly, doesn't have a Michelin star. No, you know that's scandalous. Um, but well, I it would be more scandalous if it did have yeah, a Michelin oh yeah, star. Yeah, come on, 
can't have taxpayers' money paying for that. Um, but um, do you know what? You, you will always see an interesting face in the BBC canteen. You never know who you're going to bump into. Like, it's always really funny seeing like, the newsreaders in there, like, you know, heating up their porridge for like, their morning shift or whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the, food, the food's pretty decent. Like, they, they're very festive, actually. So, like, you know, if it's um, Christmas, you know, they'll have like Christmas pudding and like, Bake, uh, you know, um, what, what this, I can't, what the things, uh, mince pies, which I hate, I hate mince oh. pies, I'm not a mince pie fan. Um, but you know, if it's like Black History Month, for example, like you know, I remember pretty sure they did like, um, like jerk chicken, um, and, and some other bits and bobs, and then. I don't know when it's like Saint Saint uh, George's Day. It's you know traditional like English meals yeah. or whatever. Or sometimes they'll be like, "Hey, it's Japanese week. Here, here's a katsu. Here's our version of a katsu curry." That they really they make an effort to oh, be fair. But you don't know what you're going to get though. It's just, no, you yeah, don't. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. When do you have your tea? This is a great question. Um, because I'm always thinking about when can I have my next meal. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. So I used to have my breakfast about like eight or nine in the morning. Um, and then I'll have lunch at about like one or two. So then by the time we're about to go on air, I am starving. So I'll try and have my dinner around like, uh, it depends, cause, uh, about half past five, quarter past five. But then come the end of the show, I'm hungry. So I usually essentially have like two dinners a day. Nice. Yeah. And, and I, it's it's... I don't want to use the word bad. I'm using this ex extremely tongue in cheek, but it's quite bad. But I'll, I'll usually eat something when I get home. So I get home about like nine ish after the show. So we finish at eight, and I'll I usually get like a pasta dish. No. I might I might do a cheeky delivery service, <laughs> but I get fresh pasta. I love Italian food. Ooh, FYI, yeah. I went to Rome for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I had fresh uh, pasta from this place called Supply. And it's, I think it's like a family run business. And that pasta, oh my God. I think I had like a piccari, you know, the really thick tubey one. Mm. So it holds like loads of like sauce and that. The, <gasps> the architecture in pasta is very clever. Like the Italians know what they're doing. They make shapes to just carry sauce. Yeah. I've got a lot of time for that. Yeah, man. Do you ever like just sneak food in in between like when tracks are on oh, and then get caught out? And then 100%. <laughs> like if there's a super long song and I'm hungry, I will take a chomp of like my biscuit or whatever. We've already established you're a very fast eater. So yes. maybe that's well so where it's come through that you're like... Well, the average song is three minutes and 30 seconds. I think you could do about four crumbs Well, that's that it. Time. That's it. Don't threaten me with a good time because I will do it. I could do it easily. <laughs> Obviously, no food is allowed in the Radio 1 studio, just in case... Uh, Lovely Tony, who, who looks after our studios, is listening. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> so what have you got coming up this year then? Oh, well, coming up this year, uh, lots of fun stuff. Uh, back at Glastonbury, nice. which is going to be exciting. We love Glasto. Actually, that's an interesting, interesting space for food. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, do you know what? I think festival food has really improved yes. over the past, like, even five years alone because before you know you'd see like your standard like burger van but now yeah. it's like hey we're a vegan deli and we've got like our lovely like our lovely like artisanal like camper van selling food's a big part of yeah. festivals now isn't it i think i think people almost during the day are looking for a bit of like a food experience as well yeah. uh, i think like I, a lot of chefs i speak to like are, they're doing glastonbury this year so it's becoming quite a foodie thing as well which is just adds the experience really. yeah and there's like now like food 
and music festivals that, yeah. that are on now, like based around, I guess, yeah, enjoying your favourite like band or singer yeah. and like having a good meal at the same time. But yeah, I'll be I'll be back at Glastonbury. Uh, we've got Radio One's big weekend Amazing. in May, so we're off to Dundee. So maybe I'll have a little tatty scone for my breakfast. Yeah, what's it? Is it Dundee cakes? Is that a thing? I, it might, I think yeah. so. I'm not sure what they are, but it's definitely a thing. We actually, we do, we do have um, um, a sort of tradition, actually, all the Radio 1 gang, that like wherever we go for Big Weekend, we will try the local thing. So we all tried, um, is it a Parmo? Yeah. When we went to Middlesbrough. It's not far from here, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, Pretty right. delicious. Yeah, it's good. Again, a lot of cheese, a lot of carbs. I mean, effectively, it's just a... A bit like a chicken Kiev, isn't it? With yeah. like bechamel sauce and cheese on top of it. I mean, what's not to like? Pretty delicious. It's weird that that's only like a northeast thing, because you think it's a bit like a schnitzel, sort of breadcrumb chicken, and then you basically put cheese on top of it and lots of bits. But it's only in the northeast, and they're very proud of that. But it feels like that should be a nationwide food thing, really. It should be. I couldn't let Clara go without asking my favourite question: What's the one seasonal ingredient she wishes she could eat all year round? Is there something in particular that you look forward to? I feel like most things. What do I look forward to? I like food. I mean, there is that. Actually, I'll tell you what I look forward to. Well, I don't know if it's if it's seasonal though. Well, look, you're going to tell me, aren't you? Yeah. Um, I look forward to great cooking apples. I'm guessing a Granny Smith. Yeah. Or whatever, because my mum's apple crumble Ooh. is the best you will ever have, and. When, on the occasions that she comes to stay with me, I will force her to make it because it, it's just my most favourite dessert. It so, makes me feel like a little kid again. I, I love desserts, I love cheesecake, I love, you know, anything sweet and yummy, but apple crumble, like made with those lovely fresh chunky apples, mm. my absolute favourite. That's a great seasonal ingredient. No one said that, and especially that it's not just apples, it's cooking apples, yeah. which I love. And oh, you can't beat an apple crumble because you get like, there's cooking apples that go like really soft and mushy, but then you get like the crunchier bits on the outside. But yeah, that's a proper dessert. And loads of custard. Oh, absolutely. Have you <laughs> custard hot or cold? Hot, man. Hot. Who's having, a cold, who's having cold custard? Clara, thank you so much for coming up. My it's, absolute pleasure. It's been really good fun. And I've got to say, your pastry looks phenomenal. And we will definitely actually serve that to guests tomorrow. I am delighted. Not lying. And let them all know that I made it, please. I will do, yeah. Thank you. No, it's a great anecdote. Let's go get some lunch. Uh, that, I love the sound of that, truly. Next time, I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome up a friend and a hero to many of you listening. The host of Great British Menu, Andy Oliver, is finally on her way up to my restaurant, The Black Swan. And I've got a making black apples for more information about seasoned check out my website www.tommybanks.co.uk or check us out on social media if you've enjoyed the episode please leave us a positive rating and a review it would mean an awful lot to me and it really helps to support us and get this podcast off the ground most importantly though tell your friends tell someone else you've enjoyed it maybe they'll join us on our journey too Seasoned is a What's the Story podcast. It's hosted by me, Tommy Banks, and produced by Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis.